Blessing my soul this morning. Y'all are blessing my soul. Y'all are blessing my soul. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name. I just want to lift up for you one more time from the book of Jonah. I just want to grab that 11th verse and uh, I want to raise it just there. Chapter 4, verse 11, book of Jonah 4 11. It reads, should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 innocent persons who do not know the difference between their right and left hand and are not yet accountable for sin, as well as many blameless animals. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated in the sanctuary. Let me give this to you. God of a second chance. This is the ninth iteration of this word. I want to talk a little bit about Jonah one more time. Not that I haven't already taken you through several ideas related to Jonah, but just, again, indulge me for a few moments. Because the entire book of Jonah has been examined by the early church fathers 
and not meaning the early bishops of the church, the early leaders and apostles, and all kinds of discussions have come up around the book of Jonah, and many of them lead us to this, what will be closing sermon on Jonah, closing only because next Sunday's Palm Sunday, and I want to be on the palm. But I had one more. <laughs> it, I want to talk about it because the arguments, of course, came up about the story in general because the story depicts someone being able to remain alive within the belly of a great fish. Whether you call it a whale or a great fish, whatever you want to name it, the arguments, of course, from the pagans who laughed at the Christians saying this story is fantastical, and I should say who laughed at the Hebrews, who saying this story is fantastical, it could not be so. And then there became a complete argument among those early scholars concerning whether or not this story takes place and whether or not one should believe in the miracle. To which uh, St. Augustine, uh, this northern African bishop got involved with answering the questions in this way. St. Augustine said, first of all, if you question one miracle, you might as well question them all. So I think you ought to leave alone miracles. And secondly, and this is most important, he says, and as Jonah was sacrificed for those endangered by the storm, so Christ was offered for those who are drowning in the storm of this world. As Jonah was sacrificed for those endangered in the storm, so Christ was offered for those who are drowning in the storm of this world. Well, you could tell I've got a lot to talk about with Jonah. Because there's a storm out over the ocean. <laughs> And is moving this whole way. And if your soul not anchored in Jesus, you will surely drift away. Listen, there is a storm of life that we are experiencing. And what the story of Jonah depicts, allegorically albeit, he depicts now the offering of Jesus, which is what this Lenten season is about, leading into Palm Sunday and resurrection the Sunday thereafter. It is the story of Jesus being tossed into the sea of life, giving his life to save the lives of others. It is the story of he who loved us enough to give selflessly so that he would free us from the need to have to dwell within the storm. Now, when folks asked him, they asked St. Augustine, this African bishop, when they asked him, said, where did you get this from? How did you come upon this? St. Augustine simply replied, I got this from the words of Jesus himself. For it was Jesus who first depicted this. If you turn real quick to Matthew 12, verses 38 to 42, then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. No sign will be given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. 
For as Jonah was three days and nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and nights and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah and indeed a greater than Jonah is here. Powerful words as Jesus depicts the act of the Ninevites and brings it into this, what we now describe as New Testament passage here, saying that their righteousness is elevated and it will be a part of your condemnation later on. You cannot look and see that a greater prophet than Jonah ever was is standing before you, preaching to you. And it is in this vein, this Jonah, Jesus narrative, this, this idea of the antitype of Jonah and Jesus, this, this milieu that I want, to, I want to kind of help you see the entirety of Jonah in a fresh way, not fresh, but different way. Because see, there are three distinct acts that Jonah embraces, the book of Jonah teaches us. The first of which is this, that the mercy of God bends towards repentance. The mercy of God bends towards repentance. Wherever repentance is found, so too is God's mercy. The mercy of God bends towards repentance. I only wish we were as merciful as God, but the mercy of God bends towards repentance. Where repentance is found, God hears, God answers. Here, these Ninevites are not Israelites. They are Syrians. And yes, one day they will rise up with their other bands and they will come against Israel. But in spite of that, God still keeps offering them divine liberation. God keeps offering them freedom from sin. God keeps offering them their, his mercy and they took God up on it here and received it. Oh, but one generation cannot receive God for the next. Each succeeding generation has to receive God for themselves. That's why we subscribe to the one to a box theory. Everybody's got to die for themselves. The reality is that this generation received it, succeeding generations forgot it, and ultimately received the punishment that this generation escaped from because they forgot the lessons that were learned in that generation. Oh, you missed it, went over your head. Every generation has to remember its history because if you remember what you've been through and you hold on to the lessons from it, you can succeed going forward. But those that forget Forget the face of their father, the face of their mother, those that forget the teachers in their lives that mentored them and taught them. They're the ones who will fail in succeeding generations. Ah, oh, the mercy of God. It bends towards repentance. Ah, oh, 
That's good stuff right there. That, that'll preach right there. And, and, and the New Testament agrees with it. Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, says this. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God, 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 God bends towards repentance. It, it, it is not some novel idea that comes up in the New Testament. No, the New Testament is the carrying out of the idea and the ideal of God's relationship with humanity into this new covenant. God has always been saying this. My ears are attentive to the prayers of my people. But the second thing is that the mercy of God bends toward redemption. <clears throat> the mercy of God bends towards redemption. What do you mean, Reverend? Well, I mean God would rather redeem, save, than to kill. God would rather bring people in than to push people away. God is looking for people and wants to, he wants to say, he doesn't want any to perish. Why do you think that Jesus spent so much time talking about lost folk? Why do you think Jesus spent so much time giving parables of lostness? Because God cares, watch this, about the lost, the least, the left out, and the left behind. God cares about folk. And in Luke 15, listen here, Luke 15, he reminds us of his care. Luke 15 has three parables consecutive. It's the parable of the lost sheep, followed by the parable of the lost coin, followed by the parable of the lost son. In each case, a search is put on for that which was lost. A recovery mission, a redemption effort was put on for that which is lost. And that's what this season is about that God's bends towards redemption. That's what he's looking for. He looks for redemption. I don't know about you. When I was younger, we sing that song, I am redeemed, bought with a price. Jesus has changed my whole life. At some point, the song says, if anybody asks you just who I am, Tell them that I am redeemed. I, I, I ain't nothing special, but I am redeemed. I'm not perfect, but I am redeemed. If you're looking for a perfect pastor, perfect preacher, you need to find another one. I don't know where you're going to get them from because there's a whole lot of stuff going on. But I can tell you this much, this one here is redeemed. You see, but it's not just a, a bunch of folk that look like you. See, what, 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 what Jonah had to get through his thick head is that God was not just concerned about Israelites. The God that he served was concerned 
beyond their borders. Why do you think Jesus has the story of the Good Samaritan there? The hated one does the righteous thing and the so-called righteous ones do the wrong thing. God cares. You know what? The good news of the gospel is for all nations. Oh, you're preaching today, Watts. Thank you, I'm trying. Listen, listen, listen. Matthew 28 and 18 through 20 says this. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. He says, now, this is what I want the church to do. Go therefore and make disciples of what? All the nations. I, this, this, this new covenant is a, is a covenant that is universal. I want, I want people from every tribe and every nation to come into fellowship with me. Romans 1 verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone, anyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek or the Gentile. Says I want I, this. This gospel is bigger, because the God we serve, the mercy of God, bends towards redemption. Now, before you get going too far, this is the part that might mess some of you up. The first two were easy to accept. This one gets a little harder, especially the more you're doing right. See, the more holy you are, and all of you are, look real holy to me today. You look really, oh, glow ah. You, you look real deep, real holy. So this part, because you're just striving to do right. So this part messes up the do right crowd to think that the don't do right crowd might catch a break when you've been working hard to be in the do right crowd. So how is it that you're going you're gonna to give a break to the don't do right when I've been doing right? And I've been sacrificing to do right, and now you're going to give a break to folk that ain't, ain't even trying. Because I've been trying. Lord, I'm trying. Trying to make a hundred. Ninety-nine and a half won't do. Lord, I'm trying. Trying to make a hundred, 99 and a half won't do. Uh, that, that's old school. Y'all ain't gonna. Y'all don't know about that. Y'all don't know nothing about that. That's old church. Old church. <laughs> I've been in this way a long time. The third point is that the mercy of God bends towards righteousness. And in this case, righteousness is innocence. You can't be held accountable for what you don't know. You can't be held accountable for what you don't know. 
You can't be held accountable for what you don't see if you are spiritually blind. Stay with me. You see, what you need to understand is that God has left this church, the church, to preach the gospel, to share the good news. But we have to get the good news out there because there are still folks who have not heard it. Watch this, watch this. God's compassion is extended to those who have not received spiritual truth. That's what the 11th verse is all about. The 11th verse is all about those who have not received spiritual truth. They didn't know any better. And God says clearly to them in verse 11, should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are, and his words, 120,000 innocent persons. And now he describes their innocence this way. They don't know their right hand from their left hand. And his word is they are not yet accountable for sin. That's why, that's why the juvenile justice system should be different from the regular justice system. Because some are not yet accountable for sin. And that's why we have to be careful when they upcharge folk and make them be charged as an adult when they're still juveniles because some stuff that happened, oh, y'all missed that, went over your head. Because what you don't realize is there's some things that are innocent. then that leads me to something that, 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 that will cast a, a long shadow over everything I've said. Because Jonah, everything here in this text was what you received directly from God. Meaning that you had no personal conversation with the rabbi, with the senior deacon, with a deaconess, with a musician. This was you and God in dialogue. Jonah, what do you think God was trying to do by having you have this conversation and then publish our private talks? Why would God make you publish our private talks, particularly since you're publishing your own shame and the ways in which you failed me and the ways in which you missed my mark? Jonah, why would God have you put your business in the street? Jonah, why would God make you tell folk that you failed me? Nobody wouldn't have known you with the Tarsus if you hadn't published it. Nobody would have known you were thrown into the water if you hadn't published it. Nobody would have known that Nineveh was even saved if you hadn't published it. Nobody would have known that you sat under a tree and you were ready to give up. Nobody would have known your business. Jonah, why are you publishing your private business and conversations between you and God alone. I know why, Jonah. Because God intended Israel 
to take their place as a light in the world. Israel, your place in the world is to be light. That's why you have to go preach to a foreign country where people may have disliked you. That's why you have to live a different way. That's why you have to be different. That's why you were chosen. You weren't chosen just to be separate and made all we goody, goody, goody. No, you were chosen with purpose attached to your chosenness. There's purpose attached to it. You were chosen to be light in darkness. The youngest poet laureate in America in history was selected by Joe Biden. Thank him so much for doing so. Amanda Gorman lifted up these words at the end of what was one of the greatest uh, inaugural poems given in our time, right up next to Maya Angelou. I mean, this sister was phenomenal. And here are the words she said near the end. There is always light if only we're brave enough to see it, if only we're brave enough to be it. Talk, girl. Talk, girl. Israel, the whole purpose is to be light. Isaiah 42, verses 6 through 11. I don't have time to do everything in my power and my plan, but, but it says, I, the Lord, Isaiah 42, 6 through 11, I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and I will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles. Hold on, Bishop. Your purpose was to be light. Okay, what else am I going to do? To open the blind eyes. Spiritual blindness is to be removed by what you do to bring out of the prisoners from the prison and, th and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and the new things do I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of it. Sing unto the Lord a new song and praise him from the end of the earth. Oh, my, 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 my. I, I believe that God wants to, to have a new song sung right now. I believe God wants something fresh to spring forward now. I believe God wants his church to be a light in darkness right now. I believe God wants his church to shine bright in the midst of a pandemic and raise up a banner for the Lord our God and decree and declare this is the day that the Lord hath made and in spite of it all I will rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, Isaiah 60 
verse one through three. I, I'm not. Y'all can sit down. I, I'm, not, I'm just. I'm going. I'm just going to talk for two or more minutes. Give me two more minutes. I'm going to talk. I'm, I'm going to talk. Y'all had to excuse me if I go long. I didn't have my clock. I'm sorry. I'm going long. <laughs> listen, listen. Isaiah 60, verse 1 through 3. Here's what he says. Arise, shine, for thy light is come. And the glory of the Lord. Asha, glory. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Ah. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee. And his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light and the kings to the brightness of thy rising. You, you're supposed to be light, baby. God, God wants some light out of you. God, God wants you to show somebody the way. God wants you to be a proof to that he is real. C come here, come here, Jesus. You, 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 you talked in those beatitudes, uh, those, those be right twos. You, 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 you talked in those, and, and I heard you in, in Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16, when you said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill that cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I, I got to leave you here, but I came to remind you that God wants us like Jonah to be light and to decree and to declare before a dying world that there is hope in the midst of darkness. There is peace in the midst of trial. There is joy in the midst of sorrow. There is a better way. Light for the darkened eyes. God is still loving us and he is the God of a second chance. And I don't know about you, but I'm so glad he gives second chances. I'm so glad he gives second chances. I'm so glad he gives I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to extend an invitation. Maybe there's someone here who wishes to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to receive the Lord. If you don't know him, you can receive him wherever you are in your home right now, driving down the street. This light is beaming upon you, the word of God. I want you to receive him. You can write us. But first, simply say in your heart, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I acknowledge you as my personal savior. Create in me a clean heart and renew within me a right spirit. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, 
be in touch with us this week. Call us, email us, write us, let us know. And if you're watching us today and you want to become a member of the fellowship, I welcome you to become a I member of Shiloh. I welcome you to become an I member. Right now, all over the sanctuary, there are some of our leaders who are here today. And I'm going to ask if you just step towards the aisle, just step in an aisle, stay away from each other. A few of you just step out in each aisle. Somebody step in the center aisle. Symbolically of the church coming together, don't get too close to each other. Don't get too close to each other. Just step in the aisle. That's close enough. Amen. All right. All right. Let's, let's get ready to pray. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. I hope Deacon Carter and Sister Deborah going to the balcony. Amen. Good. Good. All right. I, we're, we're praying. We have done several renovations here. We're not finished but we have not celebrated it and things are happening in the building. I want to thank God for what God has already done here in this building, in this place, what he's allowed us to get done in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, I can thank our trustee board, Brother Flynn, who, for his leadership during this time. I want to thank... <clears throat> come here, Brother Jose. Come here. I want you to stand up. Come here. Come here. Baby, come stand next to me while I pray here. Um, Y'all need to know, get a picture of my man right here. That's close, no, don't get too close because you want the pandemic going on. <laughs> but I want y'all to see this brother. This brother has put in more hours creating this work. He has, y'all need to know, Y'all need to know, he has, he has worked so diligently. Where's Solomon? Tell Solomon to come down here. He has worked so diligently. He has uh, he's gotten his friends to come over. They put up screens. They worked on floors. They, they have done, you would not imagine how many hours Brother Jose has put in. And I wanted to say that publicly so we could thank him. He is a trustee. And he's one of the hardest working trustees that we have. I want to thank him publicly. Thank you, my man. I appreciate you. Where, where's Brother Solomon at? Uh, with all of the technology, Solomon, come down here, son. Where you at, boy? Solomon tries to stay behind the scenes. If you ain't coming down, put a camera on somewhere. He, he tries to hide behind the scenes, but I want y'all to appreciate the fact that it has been over one year that we have not been in in-person fellowship. There are more people here today than we've seen in 365 days. And that you, there's not a lot of you, but there's more. Hey, come on, son. But in all of that time, we have been on the air. We have been working through technology. We have been upgrading technology and changing stuff. And I want y'all to thank Solomon for me. It's, it's been amazing. You know, I'm, I'm, we are just so grateful to all of you. All of you who are here now, 
our leaders in the church. There are nothing but deacons and trustees and ministers and a few uh, ushers with us today. Amen. Um, a, few, a few of the louder ushers at that. <laughs> but I want to thank all of you for all you've done. I can't thank each of you enough for helping us to hold this together this entire year. We've had a tough year. It's been tough. And you know that we have been blessed with one of the baddest bands in the world. Gloria's not here today, but I appreciate her coming back and starting off with vocals. But, you know, when we lost our musician, it was such a tragic loss. Uh, we lost more than a musician. We lost a friend. We lost a producer. Uh, his wife lost a husband. His children lost a father. His siblings lost a brother. We, we lost a lot when we lost him. And uh, I, I didn't know how we were going to keep pushing this thing together. But God has blessed us. And I want to thank God for these new additions who picked right up. These old heads over here. Let's thank God for them. Leroy, Kenny, Jose. <laughs> Funny how that worked out today. <laughs> I just love it. Brother Rufus, I talked to him and he came right in and he just, he has been a great asset to the house. Now, I'm doing all this today because things are starting, we'll start to shift back in-person worship and uh would y'all please thank with me my, my my road dog for 365 days uh he's been with me y'all know the chairman of the deacon board i i promise you if i was here he was here and uh he he just pushing it through, and I just appreciate the deacon and deaconess. Every week we had deaconess right here in worship with us, just helping to support morally, pushing us along, praying with us, holding us down. This is Transition Sunday. This is Transition Sunday as we'll be moving slowly back into in-person worship. So I wanted to take time out to celebrate today and to celebrate with you all and with those of you here. You're supposed to be here now, and I just want you to know how much I appreciate you. And I, I, I tell you all now, I'm just delighted. I have been blessed. People see a lot of stuff that happens around here. They give me credit for it. They say, oh, Bishop, you church doing so well. Oh, you you doing this, you doing that. They have no idea that 90% of what happens administratively here is being conducted by the woman standing behind me. Yeah, y'all give it up for her. Give it up for the First Lady. I wanted to applaud her today and to thank her uh, because she has been, you know, she works behind the scenes, but she be getting it done. And I just appreciate her 
and appreciate all of her efforts and these children of mine that God blessed me with. Amen. You, you, every parent will get this one. They're mine when they do right. <laughs> and they're hers when they don't. <laughs> Amen. I love y'all with the love of the Lord. Let's pray. And then we're going to celebrate. I, I will ask those of you online, if you're going to give, this is a good time to get ready. Your, get your offering ready to give. Uh, Givelify Cash App. You can mail it in. So I'm going to bless the offering as well. And then I just want to just bless God for what God has done and for all the work that has gone into this place and what we need to do. And I'll tell you more about that as well as we're not quite ready yet. Amen. Let's just pray. I want to thank you forever and ever and ever for Blessings and glory and honor, they all belong to you. Thank you, Jesus, for blessing me. One more time, I want to thank you. Just thank you for what you've done for us. We celebrate the fact that the pandemic is nearly coming to an end. We celebrate the fact that we will be able to gather together for in-person worship. But today, God, we just want to rededicate this place as we begin to relaunch into full-time ministry within the building. We rededicate it to you. We thank you for every hand that worked on it, for every nail put in place, for every electrical outlet. We thank you for everything that we've done. But God, we most of all thank you that you have kept us this 365 days and that, Lord, you never left us, that you ministered to us, you held us together as a congregation. God, those watching on Facebook, those watching on YouTube, thank you for every one of them. Thank you for their participation in the house. Thank you for them holding tight to us, even as we held tight to you. Thank you, God, for this time that we've been able to grow differently in your name and for your glory. God, we just love you. We praise you. We glorify you for everything you've done. We give your name the praise. Glory and honor belong to you in Jesus' name. Come on, help me praise him now. Come on, help me praise him. Come on, let's praise him. Thank you, God.